Yo, welcome back, Warriors. My name is Rob Wong, and with me today. Yeah. What's up, Rob? How are you, everybody? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm over here super excited, as always, man. Jumping in, jumping the gun. Super <laughs> excited and grateful to be with you, Rob, and all of and all of the Warriors out there in Warrior Land. What's going on? Yeah, got a beautiful day over here and got a got an epic topic for you as well. I think this is like, is this not cuffing season? This is the time when people are like partnering up. So when you're going out into the dating world, because it's going to get cold out unless you live in California, then it's 90. But it's going to get cold everywhere else. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I got to get, I got to get this girl. I got to get this guy. So we're going to be talking about how to avoid a toxic partner. Whether you're dating or going for a longer term relationship, this is how you avoid getting into one of those things where it's like it's really good for like two weeks or like a week and then it's just like nonstop fighting after that. But you can't quit each other because it's like when it's good, it's really good. But when it's bad, it's like the worst fucking time of your life. Mm. This is how you get <laughs> away from those partners and how you spot the signs. So I know, Scott, you have some strong opinions and feelings about this. Uh, you want to you want to lead us off here? Yeah, sure, man. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, I think definitely um, what I'm noticing for myself is this was this is what's coming through right now. And there, there's a few things. This first thing is, is not leading with my baggage in my history, like, like getting to know the person first, like not just dumping on them all the shit that went wrong in my past <laughs> relationships, like my fucking my kids, my baby mama drama, like like that's all there. And like, I noticed not leading with that and like, like starting off getting to know the person and having a fun, sexy time and flirting and all of those things. And then also having difficult conversations immediately. Like I had a conversation with this woman um, that I'm seeing and she asked me how tall I was. And some fear came up in me like, oh, shit, man. Like, because I know that women or I've noticed that women that I've dated or, you know, have, have gone out on dates with are curious. We were meeting on Zoom. She lives in another city. I live here. And she's like, I'm curious, how tall are you? And I felt this like twinge in my body, like, fuck, man. I lied. I said, I'm 5'11". And that wasn't the truth. I'm not 5'11". I'm like 5'9", 5'10". And I noticed that energy was anger. Um, and the reason I lied, because I'm like, I've been getting this question more often from women. Like, I have to be this certain height to be attractive or for them to pick me, to choose me. And I noticed that a couple of the women that I've dated in the past have also asked me this question. And what I've noticed is they have picked taller men. And I asked them, is this an evolutionary thing? Like you feel like a man who's taller can protect you from like a predator or another man or whatever it is. And they both answered, you know, after kind of inquiring within themselves. Yes. Like that is one of the reasons why is like, I feel like a, a bigger guy can protect me. And what I've noticed is that yes, this man might be able to protect you from a predator or another, you know, some attacker or whatever, but this 
man couldn't protect her from himself because he wasn't emotionally embodied. So I asked both of them, what a better question to ask a man besides his height is, are, you know, what is his EQ? What's his, is he emotionally intelligent? Is he willing to go to therapy? Is he willing to get coaching? Is he willing to look at himself? Is he willing to have difficult conversations? Um, and the, the most recent woman that I'm talking to was like, like, she's like, wow, that really lands for me. And that is a better question to ask because she noticed in her own experience that, you know, um, she's going through a difficult time. And part of the reason is, is that, you know, maybe this man is not willing to hold space for her or to see his side of things or to look at himself or has, doesn't have the capacity to deal with conflict. He might be tall, handsome and successful, but he doesn't have this piece that I think is crucial to having a long-term relationship. If in fact, that is what you're looking for. So that's, yeah. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I think we need to talk a little bit more about capacity to hang with conflict because, uh, that, that's a major piece. And it was something that I was just not aware of growing up. Uh, when I was in my twenties or when I was 18, my focus was on become more attractive. And that meant like dressing better. That meant wearing nice shoes that matched my belt, figuring out my sense of style and fashion, getting that nice haircut, making enough money. But it was never brought onto my radar. Like, Hey, uh, you know, in the long run, if you want a successful relationship that doesn't make you feel like shit, you are going to have to be in difficult conversations. You're going to have to be in compromise. You and your partner are not always going to see the same way. And when that happens, you can't just run away. You can't just slam the door in her face. Mm. Uh, or you can't like blow up and get real angry until you get your way. Right. And I think that's, it, I believe that that behavior set is really common among men who haven't mm -hmm. been educated in how to be with conflict, how to be with different opinions. So like, how would you recommend someone start looking for that? Like you, you're on a date with someone. How can you tell if that person has done the work? If they're super reactive, like if they're argumentative um, and the, it, the, I think that's like the, the number one um, the number one, uh, thing to look for, uh, if the person always, yeah, wants to be right. Like I have this saying, I have, there's nothing in me that wants to be right. I want to be in relationship because I'm a, I'm a unique individual over here. And I know that this other person is a unique individual and has a whole different set of experiences and knowledge from what she's learned from birth until now. And then so do I. And like, if I could get curious about what her perspective, her, why she thinks the way that she does rather than wanting to be right. Like there's my way, there's her way. And through that, maybe we can find a third or a fourth way. So, I certainly in, a, in an infinite universe of different possibilities, I don't have all the fucking answers. <laughs> and I just noticed like my nervous system gets activated because of whatever my history. And then all of a sudden I feel like she's the enemy and I go on the attack or on the defensive. 
And I think curiosity helps me go on the offensive and like creates connection and like get curious and like, Hey, let me, let me try to understand why she thinks and feels this way. Not that I have to take that on, but there's probably some validity to what she's saying. And, you know, I can garner more knowledge in a, in a, in a broader understanding having her perspective, you know, I don't have to, uh, yeah, I, I kind of just say that. That was a mouthful. Yeah, I mean, you, you touch on a lot of important things here, so I'm going to highlight them. For you warriors listening right now, ladies, if you're here as well, I, th- I think what Scott mentioned, the, the core of this is like if you're with someone who insists on being right about stuff um, and they're very black and white, that's something else to look for. If they believe that there is just the right and just the wrong, then you're with someone who doesn't quite understand that there are multiple perspectives in the world, multiple ways that what's right for someone can be wrong for someone else. Um, And there is that sense of like, hey, uh, the smarter I get, the more educated I get, the more I learn, the more I learn that I don't know shit. There is that acknowledgement and embodiment with them because it's one thing to know that, right? Um, on a certain level, most of us recognize that we know like probably much less than 1% of the overall knowledge that's out there, right? Mm. There's no way that we can know everything about everything. But when we get into conflict, it can be really easy to start behaving as though we know everything about everything and we do know what's right. And you got to shut up because I know, I know what's going on here. And so that's where I think the embodiment comes into play. And that's got, that's something that Scott and I have talked extensively about. Uh, and mm. the first time he brought this subject up to me was like, Hey, you know, like I think that women would benefit a lot if they started looking from an embodied guy. And so what do we mean by that? Why is embodiment important? What is it? Embodiment as it relates to this subject is when someone can stay out of fight or flight when they are in a situation that would normally provoke fight or flight. So if you are confrontational with each other, you don't agree about something, right? Or something just happens where his ego, his childhood wounds get poked. What does he do in that situation? So maybe you're out camping because camping is traditionally a really fucking good way to get into a fight. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Oh, you know how to set up the tent. It's cold out. Like we, it's midnight right now. There are bugs out. The tent is enough. I'm hungry. What does that person do in that situation? Play a game of Monopoly with him and see what happens, right? Like (laughs) once he starts losing, how does he react? And so you can begin to see like if this person's in a stressful situation, but they're able to bring themselves back. Having a reaction is fine, but can they bring themselves back quickly to the point where they can be rational, calm, have like the steady interaction with you? Wonder where they aren't jarring your nervous system too, because that's how you can tell if someone's really off their game. If you've ever been around someone and you just feel like progressively worse and worse around them and like more agitated or anxious and like you got to go is because your brain is subconsciously picking up on the fact that this person is not embodied. So you might not have had words for that before, but that's what Scott and I are talking about. And I've been talking for a bit now, so I'm going to stop here. Anything you want to toss in? Yeah, like I think it's cool. You like a dude who's tall, great. And th- remember that that isn't gonna, that doesn't, not just that is good enough anymore. 
we've evolved, you know, I, I know I have, like, I am looking back at my relationships in the past and holy shit, the women that I've been with, the, the dynamics were so tumultuous and so, you know, they got violent, man, at times, verbally, emotionally, and I didn't know how to work with it, man. And it was, it was awful and it was awful. And that understanding that I didn't feel good and something was off wasn't them. They didn't need to change. I needed to figure out what was going on inside of me. It wasn't my kids. It wasn't the women I was married to. It wasn't the world. It wasn't my job or my coworkers. It was like something's happening inside my body and I need to get a handle on this. And as I did, my relationships got easier. As I got more embodied, as, as I got more grounded, as I understood myself more, um, the world started to change. You know, I was the one common denominator in all of my relationships. And, you know, there's a lot of practices that led me to this understanding or this inner knowing, um, you know, meditation, taking courses, listening, learning to listen. I think that's a big thing. Learning to listen, even when you were saying like, even when your nervous system is activated and you, have, you think it's the other person and you're in fight or flight, but you can stay in that fire and listen to them and not react. Um, I remember, and here's a, here's a simple tip for the listener who is having a difficult conversation and they notice that they're, they want to argue or they're in fight or flight. One of my mentors told me this. I, he said, you know, I have this inner knowing of what my experience has been and I don't have to make this other person wrong. So I would just sit there knowing that my experience is different than theirs and I don't have to prove them wrong. And what I would do would just look at them and I would listen as best I could, look in their eyes, be present. And then I would, if I didn't agree with them or, you know, I, I felt like I wanted to be argumentative, I would just say, huh, is that so? Thank you. You know, thank you for sharing your perspective. I never, I never heard it put like that. That was really helpful. And I started to practice that. That was like a simple tool, like, hmm, is that so? Rather than fuck that, that's stupid. You're wrong. Like an action step for the listener, stay present, stay on your side of the street with your experience be present with them, notice what's going on, and then don't try to be right. Oh, thank you. Know, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I'm getting to know you better. I can understand why you would feel the way you do, given what you just explained to me. And that was a really, that was kind of the beginning of how I started to become less reactive uh, and, and more responsive. I, I call it responding out of the deeper harmony of the universe with love. I was loving myself first because it felt better over here when I wasn't like argumentative. And I'm like, oh, this is, you know, and it, it didn't escalate into a, a big fight and screaming and yelling and throwing shit. Because I've talked to women, man. Listen, dudes are bigger and they could do more damage, but women can throw shit at you. Fucking ashtrays at your head. Um, women are equally at equally 
as capable of violence, whether it be emotional, verbal, or whipping something at you. That's the thing, man. And um, I don't know where I was going with that, Rob, but... Um, let me... Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Give it a shot, man. Let me, let me, let me see if I can tie this together. Um, yeah. So I think, I think what we're getting at here is... Hey, so this is not just about what we're looking for in other people. You definitely want to be looking for like traits that Scott is describing. You want to be looking to avoid the ones where it's like, hey, this person is going to be really reactive. But it's also just like, it's not just that. It's also about what's over here on my side. Because there, there is one camp of I'm going to find someone who's a better fit for me. And that's always an option. You should be looking for someone who fits you. Now, the other piece is, hey, where am I creating my own misery? Because switching between people doesn't allow me to escape my own patterns. True. And I'm going to say that again. Switching between people does not allow me to escape what I bring to the table. Hmm. And so if you keep on, if you find yourself running into the same relationship patterns again and again and again, and you can't choose different partners, then it's time to start looking at that inner work, right? So, hey, I can't avoid a toxic partner. Well, what is it about me that has me seeking out <laughs> that toxic partner yeah. yep. to feel complete? Like I need to be around this person. And a lot of times there's this theory about attraction where we are attracted to the people that remind us of what hurt us in the past. We want to heal. So we put ourselves in that situation again. It's why a lot of women sometimes end up with one abusive boyfriend after another. They probably, in that instance, now this is generalizing, but a, a good chunk of them grew up with abuse, right? Mm. And they're looking for a situation where that abuse is kind of present, but they can work with the person. That's why they always come in trying to fix the that. Like, you know, I can, I, I, can, I can change him. No, you can't. For the most part, you can't, right? It, yeah. And so consciously or unconsciously, we are pulled towards those situations again and again and again. And I think that's what Scott is getting at here. Um, yeah, man, that's you're, you're right. And, and I would add another thing, like a really simple tool. Ask them on the front end, on the first date, whatever. Hey, how do you deal with conflict? That's a really easy way. You want to you want to know how they deal with difficult situations. Yeah, pretty or, simple, straightforward, right? Or just like disagree with them and see where it goes. Like because because yeah, people will tell you one thing and sometimes behave differently. And that's something else to look out for as well. I, I agree that this is an upfront conversation for sure. Um, but but that I think that there's also that element of um, you want to also be looking out to see if their actions match their words. Because some people out there will know what to say and, and they might believe what they're saying too. But when they get into a stressful situation, they change because they're not in control of their nervous system. And you get that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. I've seen this in women. I've seen this in men. They want something, but they don't. When the pedal meets the metal, is that how the rubber crazy? meets the road? Yeah, that one. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pedal, yeah. the metal, rubbers in the roads. Yeah, what they say is not what they execute on because there's too much in the way for them to actually do that other thing. Um, so you you do want to be on the lookout for: is this person consistent? Do they show up when they say they're going to show up, and when they say they're a certain way? Is that how they represent themselves across the board? Are they a different person when we go to different social situations? How are they to their waiter? How are they to you? How are they mm -hmm. to your friend? How are they to their friends? 
And if they are different people across those different silos, you're probably dealing with someone who has learned that the best way for them to fit in is to be a chameleon. They will contort themselves to try to fit into the situation. And I've been that guy. So there's no hate here, but like, hey, that's, that's a dangerous situation to get into because you don't know who you're dating. And that person will probably just be a ticking time bomb because they're under a lot of pressure to be a different person in every situation. That's like six, seven, eight, nine, ten times the amount of social pressure. Sooner or later, that person's going to crack and you're going to see everything that they've been trying to shore up and keep inside. So just something to be aware of. And if you notice that this is how you've been behaving, no hate, but it's also maybe time to take a look at, hmm, how do I become a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more okay with being who I am, regardless of who I'm with? Yeah, man. Yeah. Like I, w like I was telling you in the beginning of the podcast, I was really scared when she asked. I, not really scared, but it felt like fear. And I fucking lied. I just met this woman. And here I am like already contorting, like, like, like I could hide that. Like when we meet, like I could hide my height, like I, over the computer, I can't, but I noticed it. And then I, like, I owned it. Like I owned it and I kind of, I sent it in a text and I kind of sandwiched it between something and something else. And I'm like, you know what? I am not. And I told her this specifically. I said, I do not repeat, do not want our relationship to begin predicated on a lie. I, that's a shitty way to start, man. Um, and, and I, like all the things you said, like contorting and being this chameleon, like there's, there's no way. And I think, you know, there was some fear then of losing relationship. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to come through the front door with it. That's, that's the only way. Like honesty through the front door, own it, you know, because I, I, I noticed it was like, a scared I was a scared animal man a scared little boy yeah reminded me of a lot a lot of my history and past relationships and it's like dude you know better yeah you not that you know better but like you you're being better in the world like and it's a it's a continual practice of of this stuff man it's I also mentioned the fact that like I'm committed to showing up as powerfully as I possibly can and when I fuck up not if I know I'm going to fuck up. I'm just committed to, to continuing forward, like picking myself up and owning my shit and let's keep going here. And for the, for all the warriors and the women out there, like this, this podcast is for the growth and development oriented individual, man. And so if you're on this path, you know, you can, it's easier to ask the difficult questions, man, because people, you know, men and women, both they're, they're going to be orient, orient, oriented more towards wanting to be better. So if they're not, and you are, then that's a red flag too. If they're like, nah, man, I wouldn't read a book about, you know, conflict or how to be, do relationship differently or better Then you know, Hey, good to know that on the first date or the second date or whatever, then go three months down the road and be faced with like some, what I think most people would call a crazy person, <laughs> which, which they're, you know, like you, why, again, like, why do you attract these type of people? Why are you not asking the difficult questions, which are getting into that? That's conflict right there. Yeah. 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 I, I have something to pitch in here too. Cause like yeah, someone, cool. someone, someone presented this to me and it's like, Oh shit. Like, 
I guess that's right. Because for a while, um, I was like, man, I keep attracting all these like really needy women who have been through a ton of trauma and like all they want is to like someone to hold space and listen to them like really talk about like the dark, heavy, ugly things that have happened in their past. And then I was complaining about this to a friend and she was like, hey, you haven't, you're, you haven't asked yourself why you're attracted to them. And it was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, right. It's a two way street. It took me a while to acknowledge that too, because it's like, no, I'm just attracting. I don't want to be attracted. But like, <laughs> why do I keep dating them, right? And and yeah. that's that's the thing, right? It's it's not just that I'm attracting these people into my life. I certainly am, right? Or I was. But it's it's also what is pulling me in to continue to interact with these people? Because just because they're attracted to me doesn't mean that I have am in a reciprocal position. I don't need to be counter attracted back. And so I, th- I think that that raises like an interesting exploration if you're listening right now. Like yeah. it's, it doesn't work to blame other people for the situation nope. that we find ourselves in. And so that also goes the other way, right? Hey, if you're looking at someone and they're continuously blaming other things, other people, their circumstance for what they're experiencing right now and they're not accountable for their lives. And that at some point, that person is going to start blaming you. Mm, big time. Yeah, man. Good point. Right? Yep. Yeah. Like it, whenever I run into someone who's complaining about their lives a lot, a lot, a lot, like that's, that's most of their conversations or, or they're really, really rough on themselves. Right. They just keep tearing themselves down. I don't hold it against them because I've been that person. Right. But that there's that simple acknowledgement of as within, so without. The way this person treats themselves is the way they will treat you eventually. So you got to be on the lookout. Some of us are ready for that. We have that rhino skin. We're ready to deal with it. We, we might actually even want the challenge because that's growthful for us. Some of us aren't looking for that. And if you're not looking for that, that's something to keep an eye out for. Because it can be really tempting to try to rescue those people. Like, man, this person's so mean to themselves. And I could just, I could teach them to be kinder. You can, but... At some point, they're going to turn that on you. Now, do you have the bandwidth for it? That's not up for me to say, but it is something to be aware of. Yeah, I think if you, yeah, I agree with you 100%, man. And I think if you, if like, you need to get into the coaching business if you want to just hold space for people rather than <laughs> rather than fucking data, man. Like, I, I mean, that's what you and I do, and, and we dig it, but I don't have to, like, I don't, I can do that for other people and, and make a good living at it, and I enjoy it a great deal and it doesn't mean that i want to have that that type of relationship with my partner like and ultimately it's their responsibility to do their own work so if i'm with someone of course i want to hold space for them and and i not expect the same thing from them i demand not demand that that's a i that's a non-negotiable for me so i'm asking for what i need on the front end of the relationship. Yes, I am this way and I will do this for you. I also need this as well. Um, and if it if it's a one-way street, I guess how I help people is by helping them help themselves. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you're in a relationship uh, and you're just doing nothing but holding space, you should be getting paid for that. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's going to, you're going to get burnt out after a while. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not going to feel good to, to do that. And I noticed that was kind of a, a pattern that I had and I started, 
and so in dating, if the woman would come in to the date and started dumping on me, I'd be like, time out, press pause. I said, I'll, here's what I'll do. I'll, on the date, when I picked her up, I'll set a timer for three minutes. You got three minutes to air your shit. But th the rest of the time, I came here to be with you. And she was like, looked at me like I was nuts. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, I didn't come on this date to hear about all your shit, man. That's not what this is about. I came to hook up with you and have a sexy, fun time. So here's the timer. Three minutes. You got it. Go ahead. And typically, after doing that, maybe a minute in, she realized what was going on and was like, Hey, I'm done. Let's let you're right. And, uh, I, that was a powerful tool, man. And I have been using it ever since. Like I, it's my responsibility to not be like this fucking guy who just takes on all your emotional baggage. That's not fun. That's not sexy. I don't want all, I, I am willing to do that inside of a relationship, but in proper context. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. Um, there's like that degree of first, hey, I need to know what my own personal embodied limits are. If I feel myself getting dysregulated being around this person while they're complaining, rather than me getting really excited and like more connected and feeling better, it takes something to be able to step in and say, hey, no, you got three minutes. I'm not here for that. If you need it, like you want to take some time to yourself to get collected, that's fine. What I will offer is usually I'll walk them through a guided meditation because I don't have to listen to them just venting all that negativity at me. Rather, I'm creating a container for them to deal with it in a way that doesn't throw me off my game. But there is that element of, hey, if you want to stop being around toxic people, you also need to learn what is toxic to me. What do I not want to tolerate in my life? How can I speak up about it so other people are aware of where that line is? Now, if you're with someone who refuses to acknowledge that, they have needs that exceed your ability to hold capacity for them, right? They want more than you can give. And that's usually the sign of a toxic partnership because they need that from you, right? They demand it from you and you don't want to give it, but you might not be able to say no. And that's where the dynamic gets really bad. But there is an acknowledgement inside of that, that this person may be a bad fit for me, the worst fucking fit for me. Mm. But it doesn't mean that they'd be a toxic person to everyone. And so there's this thing about like labeling, labeling people as like, oh, that's, that's a toxic human being. Not true, right? I am toxic to certain people. I am a fucking joy to be around for others. And it really just depends on what the needs are. Um, but I, I think that kind of brings us back to an original point that you raised, Scott, here. And it's that, hey, you really want to be looking for someone who has an awareness around these different points of view like able to pay attention to the shades of gray and how we see our different realities and know that like well at the end of the day there's really no way of knowing what's going on inside of someone else's head and they're willing to play and experiment and ask questions and be curious about that kind of thing to get your world to understand who you are and if they're not doing that you're looking at more of a black and white relationship and those can get like very my way or the highway. You're either in or you're out and they don't care about the subtleties in between or your why. Yep. I agree with you hundred percent, man. And yeah. So how tall are you? Not, not the question to lead with. <laughs> are you embodied? Better question, ladies, better question, gentlemen. Um, you know, that, how can you deal with conflict in a skilled way? Are you willing to go to therapy? Are you willing 
to work things out. You know, maybe those are some better questions to ask for a part. I get it. Looking at someone, you're like, oh, they look, you feel something. They look the part. They're tall, dark, and handsome. But then kind of do some self-reflection and look at your past relationships. Did that get you what you wanted? Are you still with that person? Mm. Was it because he was that tall you ended up staying with him? Probably not. Um, after a while, all that shit fades and you're left with the actual person in all of their shit. And you're left with my shit. And thank goodness, because I'm okay with all my shit. I'll work on my shit. I will, I'll work on it with you and I'll work on it in my men's group and I'll work on it in therapy, in coaching. There's no part of me that I'm not willing to face. And that to me, if I hear a woman say that shit, my dick gets hard, man. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. And I'm not, I'm, and I'm not kidding you. Like I'm literally serious that that is a turn on for me. Yes. Your physical beauty is a turn on, but your emotional intelligence is like, I find myself getting sexually aroused in conversations with women who are emotionally intelligent. It is it, because I feel safe. Of course my dick is going to get hard because I can relax and be who I am and, and open just like a woman. Like, I don't think men are any different than women as far as opening and, and feeling safe to have sex. I've noticed in the past where I didn't feel safe and my dick didn't get hard. And I was like, I'm curious about that looking back. And I'm like, I, I remember what it was and I didn't feel safe. There was something off. And so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's definitely a thing. Um, if we even just think about this in terms of like an order of operations, like what's higher priority when it comes to survival? Survival is number one. If I am in a fight or flight situation, I'm not going to get a boner because if I stop and pork something, I'm going to get killed. So like, <laughs> yeah. like I remember that I was with a gal who wanted to have sex in public and like it was like underneath a blanket, like right on a public beach, right? Like it's just like people were walking by on a path and we were both under the blanket could not get it up man like it was just like this is like we're gonna get caught and arrested like this is just, this is not a sexy context and it, it's it's very much the same situation if you want to be sexually attractive to your partner it does require a context of safety for that se that sexuality to emerge because otherwise they're just going to be in fight or flight um but i think this also points to something else like you mentioned like hey this person has emotional intelligence that's sexy to me um, I would, I would say that that's actually one of the things that I look for as, as well, except it's in the bucket of like, is this person willing to be vulnerable with me? Are they yeah. willing to show me the parts of themselves that they would normally be compelled to hide the, the, the weird, the awkward, the bad, the dark, not to the point of like, like emotionally vomiting on me, but right. are they willing to be seen in like a not great light because that's who they are? And that vulnerability is really important. That's arousing for me to be around when I can see that more tender side of who they are. But it's also like the integrity of the information they're giving me. If they're willing to be vulnerable with me, then they're going to hold less back when we have conversations about what they really want, who they really are. They're not afraid to be seen in themselves as imperfect as they are, as perfectly imperfect as they are. And that's, that's a really important piece. Um, and that's something that I am unconsciously and consciously looking for when I'm dating, when I'm looking for my future partner. 
It's are they vulnerable? Are they authentic? Do they have the space and time to be in a relationship with me? Because if they're working like 90 hours a week, they don't. They really don't, right? If I want to be hanging out with them every other day, having sex, great dates, cooking dinner together, talking about the future, they need to have time for that. And if they don't, there's probably a reason why they built their lifestyle in that way. Either the intimacy is something that they got really burned in in the past, and you're going to have to work through that for years and years and years before they let go, or they're in a dire financial situation where they need to work that much in which case they're mostly going to be in fight or flight and not have energy for the relationship. You got to be on the lookout for that. I would say one thing else that I want to throw in here because I, I see that we're getting closer to the end mm. and something that I only recently started to look for is, Hey, is this person excited about relationships? Not just like, Oh yeah, you know, I could date again, but you know, all guys are liars. Every, mm. every woman's a fucking cheat. Mm. When you when you run into yeah. that, Fuck. that, first, that first yeah, if you run into that, run the other direction. Yeah, not in, don't run out. into it. Yeah, get the fuck out, man. Run away from that. Not into it. Not towards it. Get the fuck out of dodge, son. Because yeah. <laughs> that person's been hurt, you know, and I—that's th- a normal reaction to being hurt. But you do not have to be the person to heal that. It's not your yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a red flag, man. You'll like blanket. Yeah. Fuck. And I want to echo what you said, Rob, about having, you know, seeking someone who is going to show them parts of you that, you know, all parts of them and go really deep. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm seeing someone now and we played that game that we mentioned on the last podcast. That was a really great thing. Like, tell me something for 40 minutes, tell me something about you that you want me to understand. And in the beginning, you know, both people are just getting to know one another and you're not leading with super vulnerable stuff, but after 40 minutes of sharing, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have to go deeper and deeper. You start out on the surface, you know, and then by the end of 40 minutes that, I mean, you're just sharing intimate parts of yourself that just, has you feeling so connected to the to the person and to yourself. And and I like that. I, I think that's super important. Like, yeah, can I go deep with this person? Can that's a non-negotiable for me. I, I have to have someone who is I I choose physical beauty as well. I I, I don't have a preference like an ass or a or whatever. Like I, I like all of it. I love women, like we talked about. I don't necessarily like break them down into body parts. Like I have a preference and cool. If you do, uh, the thing that I like is like what you like, man, is the, the depth. Um, this is really important. Like, will you, will you go there with me? Are you willing to go all the way there? Are you willing to show me all those parts? You, I'll be honest with you. The other day I asked, I said, what are your deepest wounds? I want to know those. I want, I want to be known by my partner. And I want her to feel known by me. And I mean all of the deepest, darkest, most difficult things, because that's where I believe we can heal in relationship. When those parts show up and I know that about her, I can hold space for her knowing that that isn't the grown up woman that I'm dating. That's a hurt little girl. And if I know that I can begin to, understand why she's behaving that way and not take it personal. Like this is 
my job inside of a relationship is to, I'm a stand-in for every man that's ever come before me. Mm. And how we heal, in my experience, is I know what's going on for her. I know what's showing up. I don't take it personally. And I stand in my fullest masculine essence, if you want to call it, or my strength and in my willingness and my capability to hold space for that part of her and not continue to create more trauma for her, but hold that with love and compassion because she's not able to at the moment. And that just de-escalates everything and allows her to recognize or soften, come back into um, regulation. So that I think that's the last kind of piece piggybacking and echoing off of what you said, just taking it a layer deeper. Like men, we need to understand that when a woman, when a woman shows up it, what, what I used to call a fucking bitch. And I have such a hard time using those words. It makes me sick to my stomach to even say those now, but I did, I was that guy because I didn't understand what was going on for this woman. And so like, yeah, man, like learning to hold space and understand that that's not what's coming at you in those moments is not a fucking bitch. It's a hurt little girl. And my job as a man is to, if, if I'm in relationship with her is to, is to love that. I'm not saying this is in the context of a, whatever you want to consider a healthy relationship, not an abusive relationship. I'm not saying there and be a doormat and take that. I'm saying this is a person you're, you care about, you're, you're pursuing. This is going to come up in, in a relationship no matter what. Like over time, if you're going to do a monogamous long-term relationship, you're going to deal with this stuff. And if you're calling your wife a fucking bitch or your partner or your girlfriend and you think that that's what that is, you're, you're sadly mistaken and you're going, to be, you're going to be in for a lot of pain and discomfort. And, and like you said, Rob, um, replacing the person isn't, you're going to be up against that again and again and again. It's being up against yourself um, and learning how to deal with yourself and that other person. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I want to, I think to, to reiterate at the end of this podcast, these are all traits to like, Hey, you want to look for these in other people. If there are negative traits, you're like, Ooh, I definitely don't want that. If there's something that we've mentioned that you want to avoid, definitely be looking for it in other people. But you also want to be taking this with like a, like a handheld mirror on the side, mm -hmm. looking at yourself. Hey, am I doing any of these things? Like, is this how I'm showing up? Because it is, it is both, right? It's both the yeah. process of selection and growth. Uh, I'm growing me so that I don't leave people worse off than when I first started dating them. And I'm selecting for someone that I think would be an easy yes for me. Hey, mm -hmm. this person doesn't poke a lot of my buttons. They're very attractive to me. They communicate in a way that I've, I readily understand. And when I'm doing both, that maximizes my chances of getting a fucking awesome partner. The, the easiest yet, the yes that you've ever met. Yeah. Um, and there was something. Yeah, and you gotta model it too. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't expect them like to, to change. You're the lead, you, you know, you're taking the lead. So you're modeling this type of behavior and 
eventually when you're not this argumentative asshole, they start to take that on. They're like, this, this feels so much easier. Like you're saying, this is so much easier. All the relationships I've been in in the past, it's, it's been a fucking battle. It's a fight all the time. I'm, I'm super dysregulated in so modeling it and showing up this way is super helpful, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's that. That was the thing that I was struggling to remember a minute ago. It's, Hey, when you get into a relationship with someone, when you start dating them, you don't get into it expecting them to change. Nope. Take a look at how they're showing up and they're going to give you a bunch of reasons for the way that they're showing up for the most part. Right. But set aside those reasons, understand how they're showing up right now is probably optimal. Like it's better than how they're going to show up like a month or two from now. And, and there's this sense of you need to be getting into a relationship with the expectation of that. This is not necessarily going to change. And am I good with this the way that it is? Now, if I can accept that, if I can be down with the way that they're showing up right now and know that no part of me needs this to change, then I'm setting myself up to be in a relationship where this could really, really work. Uh, but if I can, if I come in with expectations that this person needs to alter this, that, or the other thing for this relationship to happen, that's when we start getting into dangerous territory. That's when we stick with a relationship for like four or five years longer than we need to, because you know, if they just fix this one thing, it would be, it would be beautiful, but that's not the reality, right? And if we're dating to avoid having a toxic relationship or being with a toxic partner, if we're dating for workability in the long run and finding your forever person or just someone that's a really good time, this is a tremendous place to start, right? I date people as they show up. And if I'm not good with the flaws that they bring to the table, then I don't date that person. I move on to someone that's a better fit. I grow more until I can be that space of vastness and compassion, love and acceptance. And I think that's pretty much all I have to say on the subject matter here today. So thanks for being here. Appreciate your time. Love you. And as always, if you got something out of this podcast, um, be sure, be sure to leave us like a, I think it's like a comment or a rating. Uh, you can also subscribe. I believe I really, I really should get a little bit more clear on what the process looks like. Um, but your support, your ability to share this podcast with other people, um, really helps us grow and keeps us motivated in the long run. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. You got anything that you want to say before we sign off here, man? Oh man, let's see here. What do I want to say? Um, yes, get clear on what your non-negotiable needs are in your wants and just come through the front door with them. Like get clear on what it is you want and need first and then express that to the, to the person that you want to be in or that you are considering being in relationship with. So that you take the guesswork out of it, you know, I'm responsible for asking for what I want inside of a relationship, not having silent expectations that this person should behave and show up the way I think they should. Like, I'm going to get clear on what I want. And I'm going to say, are our values aligned here? Um, can we work with this? Because I noticed, like, non-negotiables for me can be a little bit negotiable. Like, uh, I'm out on drugs and alcohol and, like, certain things. But 
there are some other things that I think can be worked with. So that I would close out with that. Yeah, that's huge. I think that's like, that's amazing foundational work. So if you want to take that away from this podcast and start implementing that in your life, if you need an action step, get a sheet of paper, write down your non-negotiables. This is what I need. This is what I want. Have one column for each. And when you come into your next conversation with someone where you're like, hey, there's a spark here. I wonder if I could date this person. Be sure to ask some questions about those needs and wants. Like, hey, is this something that this person wants to work with? Is this something that I want to work with when they come to the table with their stuff? I think that's killer. Yeah, sex is only going to get you so far. And that's going to, you know, like that that's fun and sexy in the beginning. And it, yeah, it's all sunshine and ravioli and you're high on dopamine and all the stuff that's going to that is going to fade and it's going to take some work. So getting to know this person on a deeper level, I think is going to increase your um, propensity for success in the long term. If in fact, that is what you're looking for. Nothing wrong with sex. You know, if that's what you want, that's then you ask for it. You come through the front door. Hey, I'm just looking to have a sexy, fun time and cool. You know, there's nothing wrong here. It's just coming through the front door with, all your stuff, not side door, not back door bullshit, honest, transparent, open and front door. Yeah. And, and even in those hookup situations, like I would never want to do a hookup situation with someone that I just fucking hated, like that. I was like diametrically opposed to, like that's not, <laughs> it's not a yeah. good time to me, but I don't know. Maybe I guess there's all different strokes for different folks. Maybe there are people out there who are down for that, but I see this as a viable system for any kind of human relationship, not just relationship in air quotes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, as always, take what works, leave the rest, and we appreciate you being here. Yeah, thanks so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you guys. And throw a comment, a like, uh, whatever. Hit us up if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. And yeah, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Have a great rest of your day, morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. Peace. Peace.